One of the most visible drivers of digital transformation is the imperative to deepen the relationship with the customer. This is the front end of the discussion. Behind every digital transformation initiative is Agile, viewed by many as addressing the communication gaps between the customer and the developer. DevOps is the behind-the-scene technical equivalent of Agile, addressing the gaps between the developers and IT operations or infrastructure. DevSecOps attempts to bring security into the DevOps methodology by integrating security testing into the continuous integration and continuous delivery pipelines. As a practice, DevSecOps is still very nascent in development teams. According to the White Hat Security Report 2019 Application Security Statistics Report, an average of more than 50% of applications today are always vulnerable for organizations that have not adapted DevSecOps. In this episode of Podcasts for Future CIO, we speak to Gina Smith, Research Manager at IDC Asia, to get her perspective on the state of DevSecOps in the region. Okay. Let's start with the definitions first. So how does IDC define DevSecOps? All right, so we define DevSecOps here um, as kind of a twofold thing. It's both a philosophy, right? Like the whole mindset, everybody's focus is security. You know, we're going to, you know, do security by design. But it's also, of course, a technology, a set of technology. And so it's, you know, continuous testing and you know, starting very early with the planning and platform security and all of it. And it's those two things together that make up DevSecOps. As a practice or a philosophy, as you call it, has it always been there? Or what was the duration, the period from when they started to introduce it? And in your perspective, is it relatively mature now, the practice? Well, I don't think it's mature at all. I think it's just getting started. I mean, you know how uh, you referenced this in your article about Patrick Dubois and DevOps starting out in 2008. And so DevOps is the union of the developers and the operations teams, right, Mm -hmm. to kind of fuel software development. And all DevSecOps is, is let's bring the security people over here too and put them on the team. Because otherwise, all these rapid cycles that DevOps fuels, it gets slowed down totally if they develop very fast and then you say, wait a minute, let's test. And the security guy goes, no, no, you have to start again. You need DevSecOps so that you can keep pace with it. In terms of uh, within the IT organization or the application development team, actually, the security side comes from IT, right? Or the, the CISO, if there's such a function within an organization. How does it get bolted in? Who decides that we need to bring security in here? Is it the business side or the ops side? That's who it should be, right? It should be the business side, right? I think in in Asia, it probably isn't always the business side, right? And we've got, you know, slow, well, with the financial services and more traditional culture and everything operates like it's always operated. But increasingly, especially with the coronavirus, you know, they really need a way to rapidly produce software that's really good and letting innovation drive security, which never was the case before. Budget-wise, where does DevSecOps cost budget? Because you need tools and you probably need some, a little bit of skills that are above the normal tangent of security, the CISO's office. Where does the budget come from? 
Yeah, it's worse than that. You need tools, but you also need a way to patchwork together lots and lots of different tools that they've been using all along and then putting them on some kind of a platform. Mm -hmm. Budget is the number one challenge. You know, I think we we asked a thousand IT professionals, what's the biggest thing stopping you from moving DevSecOps forward? And number one, for sure, it was budget. And after that, it was culture. Developers don't want it because they think of security people as slowing them down. So there's a big cultural divide. I was interviewing um, a guy from Standard Charter uh, a few months ago, and he said, you know, we have to convince the developers to work with the security people because they've just been too far apart for too long. Traditionally, with the original application development teams in-house, those are very traditionalist, and that's the old model. And these days, except maybe in China, where they still do a lot of in-house development, right. but we've started to see people outsourcing, especially the startups, right? They, they outsource a lot of the functionality simply because they don't want to develop things inside. When you come into that situation where parts of the app development or DevOps is not part of your the company, not part of the organization itself, but it's outsourced, how does DevSecOps play in there? Yeah, you've got to bring in that consulting team and bolt them into your current team and let them lead you. Right? I mean, it's funny that you say that. I think the last figure I saw was something like 80% of enterprises relying somehow on outside consultancies for DevSecOps, because like you said, they don't always have the knowledge or the budget. And it's much easier if you can bring somebody in to at least get you started. What are the best practices? Which teams should we combine? And also, you know, companies can do it on a project to project basis. Yeah. I'm from Silicon Valley, so I always think, oh, we should just wipe out the security and put everybody on the same team. You know, but that's fine for a software, a software first company, but that's much more difficult. So you can try it project to project and slowly move it out. We see about 30% of Asian enterprises have gotten started. They've gotten the ball rolling. The other thing I notice is uh, I've been dealing with a lot of Chinese companies, the startups right now, the, the tech companies in China. And I've noticed that a lot of them actually, they don't go for the big branded software platforms or the, the databases like the Oracles and uh, SAP applications. They tend to do things using open source. How does open source impact DevSecOps initiatives within organizations? That's a good question. You know, I mean, I think there's a misconception that open source is much less secure, but it does make things less secure if you don't know where your software is coming from. So China enterprises here, if your programmers are using lots and lots of different pieces, and most of them are from different open source libraries, if you don't know, if you're not constantly, you know, checking the software for vulnerabilities and stuff, you're gonna be in trouble. And also, if you see you're an enterprise and some developer uses an open source library or something, something random, printing or something, every app is gonna use that same piece of code. So then they're fixing it and fixing it and fixing it in all those instances if something goes wrong. So, you know, the trick is there. there's a whole class of tools, software composition analysis tools. And these are really the key. That's uh, your Veracode, Synopsys, Sonatype, where they're giving companies the ability to constantly track where is the open source coming from. 
come from? I'm a software developer by education. I was always of the view that if something is open source, yes, it's lower cost. Technically, there are hundreds, if not thousands of developers updating it. But at the same time, because it's open source, if I'm a malware writer, I could right. look at the same thing that they're writing and I could figure out, okay, these are the loopholes where things are. And I could, because it's all exactly. out there in the market, right? Well, that's what really created the opportunity for Synopsis and Sonotype because they saw that they could give somebody a tool that does nothing but constantly check and track. Was there a vulnerability reported in this piece of open open source yesterday. It's constantly updating. But you're right. And I mean, this is how Red Hat got to be so huge because with open source too, you're, it's cheaper, but you're stuck with supporting it. But then Red Hat just takes the free software, packages it up and sells you then that constant support. And that's what you pay for or IBM. You mentioned a couple of barriers to DevSecOps. So that was uh, one is one. Second one is culture. The first one what was the first one that you mentioned? First one was budget. Okay, budget. Uh, beyond, budget, budget. beyond budget, beyond budget, and beyond culture, are, is there anything else? What about skill sets? Do is there anything special I need to learn? Yeah, I mean, now suddenly you need people that are capable of tracking the security from the planning stages all the way to deployment. And before you could just have your security people over here, your coders over here, and everyone was specialized. And now you need people who are capable of wearing more than one hat. And uh, until that, until you get people like that, you know what a lot of enterprises are doing are training them, the developers, in the um, things that are important, the priorities of the security people, and then going to security and saying, okay, here's what a developer does and what they care about and then put them together. But you're right, train, I mean, hiring and reskilling and training is a huge challenge now and it's gonna get worse. In terms of regulation, especially in financial services, because it's a relatively mature industry, regulation is set, compliance issues, uh, all the security pretty much are, have been laid to bear. So there are frameworks around security within the financial services industry. Do those frameworks change when applied to DevOps and DevSecOps or it's the same? I think it's only to the degree that you get to automate them. Mm. You know, I mean, a shorthand way to think about DevSecOps is really you're trying to eliminate as much manual stuff as you can and automate you know, testing all these uh, features throughout, but especially automating compliance. I think compliance is really driving DevSecOps in Asia. Maybe not in China so much, but definitely in Asia and Hong Kong, financial services especially. Last question for our discussion. Recommendations on overcoming these barriers. Uh, what would you say should be both? I mean, because, um, well, I don't know. Do we look at it purely from the business side or from the tech side, IT side, or from the CISO side? What are your recommendations? I mean, assuming they haven't started yet. Yes. So assuming they haven't started at all, the first thing is you need to achieve some level of alignment, right? Because often the security people have never even spoken to the developers and the business people are still separated also. So the idea is get everybody in a room. What's important to us? How fast do we want to release software? What compliance do we need? You know, in a blue sky world, what do we really wish our software could do and get everybody together? Um, and then secondly, when you've done that, then you want to get to a secure by design kind of methodology. You know, before you've even started coding, you think about the tests you will probably run. Like you said, your open source might be a concern. 
you know, or, you know, compliance standards do you think, okay, what are the things we're going to constantly test for? And then you build your code around that automation. You want to introduce that mindset of constant experimentation, um, not so much a fail forward mindset, because you pointed this out in your article, you get a lot of mistakes when you tell everybody, okay, just fail, <laughs> you know, it's not really just fail, but it's continuous improvement. So every day a little bit, right? Like the Japanese uh, conception of Kaizen. Um, also incentivizing security. I was interviewing uh, somebody at PayPal in the U.S. recently, and he said the way we did this is we started you know, paying a bounty, really incentivizing security through the whole company. You find a bug or a reason to do something or a way to automate, the company pays you. Now, PayPal can afford to do that, right? <laughs> but you can find ways to incentivize security for the developers. You get an incentive if there are fewer breaches. Right, or if this part of the software gets developed more rapidly, without any problems, you want to analyze consistently and you know set up a culture of analysis, and that's becoming more and more common, right? With AI and big data, and um, finally, I used to say this first, but I think now it comes last. Ideally, you unite these teams. So that eventually, maybe not now, maybe not next year, but eventually you have a core team that's like a race course team. You know, like if you go to see the car races, there's one team when the car comes through and they fix the tires, they fuel it up, but it's a multidisciplinary team. And ideally, eventually that's where you get, where you have developers, business people, operations, QA and security all on a central team that are just revving it. Because if you're going to release, you know, weekly or even daily, you need a team that's constant. Not outsourcing going there every now and then, right? <laughs> right. And bringing those outsourced people currently anyway, you know, into the team. And companies are used to dealing with consultants and bringing them in like mm -hmm. that, right? Like marketing has often gone outside, you know, sure. I mean, it, engineering is it's maybe the last bastion. But there's, we're, I mean, I literally the numbers are huge. Like eighty-five percent of enterprises think they'll be using consultants uh, for DevSecOps. I mean, the number was enormous in the next yeah. year. Well, I mean, you know, we we do see uh, spending slowing down, but everything's slowing down, right? Yeah. We're entering a recession with the coronavirus crisis now, but we see it speeding up. A little bit next year, so it kind of averages out. Okay. I mean, we we really see that, and uh, I mean, with COVID, uh, we did a recent survey where we asked again the same thousand enterprises, has do you think COVID will accelerate your plans to secure DevOps? You know, to do DevSecOps, two thirds of them said yes, and then we said, okay, well, why? And they said because we need to accelerate delivery of services. Because if we're all home, right, there, there's a lot of opportunity to deliver us all software, and it's got to be secure. That was Dr. Gina Smith, Research Manager for DevOps at IDC Asia Pacific, on the topic of making the business case for DevSecOps. We've reached the end of another episode of PodChats for Future CIO. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, email us at editors at society.com. 
Also, we invite you to sign up for our weekly newsletter so you're up to date on the latest in all things innovation. See you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CIO.